Hello, and welcome to Right Now with Ralph Martin, a podcast where author, speaker, and worldwide renewal leader, Dr. Ralph Martin, shares what the Holy Spirit is stirring up in the church right now. Words of encouragement from the Lord to strengthen you for such a time as this. We are glad you can be with us this week as we seek to encourage you for this moment in history. And now, your host, Ralph Martin. We're very pleased today to have as our guest Michael O'Brien, who's probably the leading Catholic novelist today, and he's also a well-known artist. And Michael, welcome. Thank you, Ralph. It's wonderful it's so to be good here. that you could come. And Michael lives in a rural area of Canada near Cumbermere, Ontario, near Madonna House, and uh, it's just great that you could come come down to the lower fifty. Um, why don't you just tell us a little bit about? Your, your story. I, w- I want to talk about the themes of your, your literature. You know, some of you know Michael's book, Father Elijah, which is his first novel published, a very popular, uh, really, it says an apocalypse. And then his Sophia House, which is uh, getting great reviews. Michael also writes nonfiction. He's written a book called A Landscape with Dragons, The Battle for Your Child's Mind, which is a, an analysis of what's going on in children's literature. And uh, and then he does artwork. Uh, he does commissions for churches and other other things. And well, would just tell us a little bit of how how the Lord got a hold of you. And, and <laughs> well, I, I was probably a typical child of the 1960s. Uh, drifted out of my Catholic faith. Um, just turned my back on all that for about five years. Uh, I never gave God a thought. Uh, he just simply evaporated all the all the devotion and the faith of my childhood, which was fairly strong, just faded into abstractions and then disappeared. And so uh, there, were some, there were some years of sin and error there. And I was going deeper and deeper into the darkness of the modern age, just typical stuff. And the Lord in his great mercy, when I was about 21 years old, allowed me to experience an encounter with radical evil, the presence of our adversary, the devil, who really wanted to devour my soul in a big way. Mm -hmm. And it was at that moment that this cry erupted from from the depths of my soul, the heart of my soul, I guess you could say. And uh, it was my first prayer in five years, and it was a total prayer. And it was very simple. It was, oh God, save me, help me. Mm -hmm. Because the darkness was overwhelming. Um, I was instantaneously filled with uh, peace, supernatural peace, in, in the very place where it would be least likely to occur. With it came almost a complete knowledge that everything I'd been taught about Christ and the Church, by the Church, was in fact ultimate reality. Mm-hmm. That is the universe in which we live. Um, so I very quickly returned to the church, the sacraments, and the Lord began a long process of restoring my life and leading me forward out of that, out of that time of darkness. Now that's uh, pretty close to 40 years ago now. Yeah, that's wonderful. And you know, a very, very similar thing happened to me at the age of 21 in the 60s. Uh-huh. The Lord saved me from 
the spirit of the age and yeah. who's seeking to devour my soul too and so thanks be to God, be that, to God. that he rescued us he wants to show us that he is a father he's not some abstract remote deity he is yeah. our father and he yeah. loves us yeah. and so Michael why don't you quickly catch us up to today then what <laughs> happened well uh, uh, a quick gallop through the ensuing 40 years yes um, shortly after my return to the church and faith and all kinds of blessings that started to restore my life. One of the big surprises was that, uh, though I was in the habit of writing down my thoughts, you know, typical self-obsessed 1960s kind of a guy, <laughs> yeah. uh, I, I, one day I went out into the woods and was praying, and no words would come, no written words would come uh, for my journal. But I saw a very beautiful little scene in the forest. There was a dead tree coming up out of a pile of rocks. And beside it was a tiny little sapling full of life, sprouting leaves. And I was profoundly attracted to it, although, and later understood the symbolism, of course. Um, so I drew it. And then I began to draw other things. And I couldn't stop drawing. Hmm. To make a long story a bit longer, uh, <laughs> I, I, within two years I had my first art exhibit. I began hmm. to... Uh, paint and draw. Um, like, like in your early 20s, you, you started drawing for the first time and found out you could draw? Pretty much for the first time, yeah. although, although my dad was a painter. Oh, I see, yeah. Uh, yeah. A, a Sunday afternoon painter. Yeah. and gave me my first set of oil paints. I'd, oh, yeah. I'd never been interested. And I had failed art in school. <laughs> my, mother, my mother gave me my report card recently. <laughs> a, 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 B, A, A, A. D. I don't know if Isn't you have that those interesting? In yeah, I got D in penmanship. <laughs> <laughs> I think it points out that the Lord loves to use the least likely yeah. to succeed. <laughs> this hope for all failures. Right, 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 right. right. Yeah. Yeah, we're all failures. Thanks be to God. Yeah. Yes. So um, I was married um, in 1975, and we were expecting our first child. And I had taken a job because I had a I had a family to support now. And uh, I had basically given up art, though my, my first exhibit was a sellout show, and things were looking very, very good for a career in art. Uh, but I, it was mostly scenes from nature and human life um, in my subject matter. Uh, I loved the Lord, my wife loved the Lord, but we, we had the general modern assumption that it is impossible to be a Christian artist in these times. Mm -hmm. Um, but my wife, being a wise person and a person who has a deep listening to the Holy Spirit, she said, you know, you know Michael, our first, our first child is coming. The Lord has given you this gift, and you don't want to find yourself 50 years old with a large family saying to yourself, I didn't develop my talent. Mm. I didn't respond to that call. I didn't believe enough. I didn't trust enough and feel you've wasted part of your life. Mm -hmm. She said, let's do it now. So we prayed and we prayed, and uh, we tried to listen to what the Lord was really saying. And it came very clear to both of us, He wanted me to give my life, at least a year of my life, to the impossible. So I resigned from my job, and uh, on the Feast of St. Joseph the Worker, we went to our local parish. I put my paintbrushes under the altar, and we consecrated my entire mm. service through sacred art uh, to, the, to the Lord and His Church 
but through through the intercession of Saint Joseph, mm. and and many blessings have come on his feast days in the ensuing thirty yeah. years. Oh, what a great idea! Yeah. Because as as a husband and father and worker, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, but I should say, uh, the Lord never promised to give us a comfortable life, but what what He has unfailingly given us is all the means to fulfill our mission as as a Catholic family, mm -hmm. to raise our children. How many children do you have? We have six. Mm -hmm. And to fulfill the mission in my labors as an artist. Mm -hmm. Writing came later on. Um, in the 19, late 1970s, I was beginning to survive at painting. Uh, I was painting icons primarily. Uh, liturgical commissions were coming in from churches, but it was still pretty desperate. Um, and then in the middle of this impossible life that was becoming possible, yeah. uh, another impossibility was heaped upon it. This, this powerful story arose in my heart, and I thought the, it was... The story? Actually, not that no, one. Oh, it was another one? Uh, yeah, okay. So I wrote an unpublishable novel. <laughs> uh, and sure enough, for 20 years it collected rejection letters. So I put my, I put my books on on the side, on the shelf, and I said, well, that was a good exercise in obedience. Uh, it was a good exercise in writing skills, and thank the Lord it was never published because it was really poorly written. But then in the mid-90s, jump forward about 10 years, we now had six children. The condition in my native land, Canada, uh, becoming increasingly hostile to family life, uh, increasingly anti-church, new laws coming in. The, weaken, the weakness of our particular church in Canada, um, in, in, in great weakness. Um, too big a subject here, but the point is that in the mid-90s I was overwhelmed with a profound grief over the state of the church, the state of my, my country, and mm -hmm. the difficulty of raising a family in the midst of this anti-life milieu. One day I was in our parish church alone. Uh, I would make a visit every day there when we didn't have daily Mass. Praying before the Lord about all of this, I was kneeling in front of the cross and I was really quite discouraged about everything. My work, my country, the church in my land, the whole thing, as I had been for a long, long time. Mm -hmm. But it was growing worse. For a grown man to admit this is hard, but I, I, I was weeping and weeping and weeping in front mm -hmm. of our Lord on the cross, just kissing the cross, but really very discouraged. And I said to him at that moment, Do you not see? Do you not see, Lord? Look at all this. Look what's happening to your people. Look what's happening to me. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, it was all mixed up together but really pleading from the heart in a way that I had not often in my life. And I said, look at this land, look at this church, look at its condition right now in this country. It's becoming a desolation. It is desolate. Um, and at that moment, um, I was flooded with a supernatural peace, and there came, there came a sense that I must, that he wished to speak to me, to answer me, and that I should read the Holy Scriptures. So I went to the little Bible on the lectionary in our, in our sanctuary in our parish, and there opened it after praying to the Holy Spirit, and there was, in this place of desolation, 
I will grant fruitfulness. Mm. So I went back to the cross and uh, thanked him and began uh, pleading again, invoking the, the restoration of the church, the purification and the strengthening of the church in Canada, in all of the Western world. And again, this supernatural peace flooded. And at that moment, there flashed into, a, into my mind the, the story of a man caught in the dilemma of the apocalypse, in which all the securities of the modern age are evaporating, in which the forces of evil are rising and gathering momentum on every level of society. What does, what does such a person do in that situation? How does he face his own fear? How does he discern the voice of the Lord? Um, how is he to get his flock through? So the central character in this this image in my mind, this story in my mind, was a priest, to mm -hmm. be a priest, and that he would link together in his own being, because he was born Jewish, both the people of the Old Testament and the God's people in the New Covenant, and that they would, he would um, have a particular role in resisting the spirit of the Antichrist. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Father Elijah. Father Elijah. We're talking to Michael O'Brien, a well-known Catholic author, novelist, and artist, and many of you probably know his book, Father Elijah, his book, Sophia House, and uh, you can get his books in so many different ways. You can get them on Amazon.com and Ben Ignatius Press and, and bookstores. Uh, they're, they're just widely available. Michael, uh, thank you for sharing the birth of your vocation, you know, which is really birthed from on high. Which is, which is so important. And I know that the themes of the conflict between good and evil, between Christ and the Antichrist, really figure you know, in Father Elijah in a significant way. Other of your novels as well, the encroaching and personalization of, of contemporary culture. And um, what, what are some of the things you see right now you know, as you look out at the church and the world? Uh, the world itself is very complex. Mm -hmm. um, I see there is... Uh, a loss of the sense of personhood in the modern age. There's an increasing isolation. The, probably the great disease of, of our times is, is a profound loneliness at the heart of most people, I would mm -hmm. say, and a resulting loss of identity. People no longer know who they are. Uh, John Paul II wrote a very beautiful letter to artists, the artists of the world in 1999, and uh, in it he says something crucial, and it's part of his whole uh, vision of what modern man is suffering from and what we need. He says that man cannot truly know himself unless he knows who he is in Jesus Christ. We are, we are creatures of this world, but we are also creatures of eternity. We're created for an eternal communion a communion uh, in the Holy Trinity, in, in the eternal fire of love. And this we can only have glimpses of in this world. But in the great war, the great war between uh, our ancestral adversary, the devil, in his great revolt against God, he seeks to, to isolate God's most beloved creatures, the human race, to isolate individuals, to split communities, uh, to bring down the church especially, which is the body of Christ, the ultimate communion in Christ on this world, in this world. So this dreadful, dreadful spirit of 
isolation and then discouragement and ultimately leading uh, in its worst manifestations to despair, the spirit mm-hmm. of despair. Man, man feels abandoned in the universe. He feels alone. He feels he has no father. So, I mean, we could talk about a yep. thousand different yeah. problems in yep. the modern age, but I would say, in essence, that is our problem. We have lost, modern man has lost his sense that he is a beloved child of the Father, our Creator. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm very moved by the way our Holy Father, uh, Benedict XVI, has, has spoken about this so clearly. He's, he's not just a great intellect. He's not just a great man of culture. He is a very, very gifted discerner of spirits, mm. you know, be, even before his election to the papacy. Mm-hmm. So he's been saying a number of things about the character of the modern age. And one of, one of his urgent warnings, when a talk he gave in uh, Palermo in the year 2000, he warns us that the character of Western civilization is becoming increasingly dominated by the mentality of the machine. Mm. And the machine is the realm of numbers. You know, everything must be translated into the language of computers. The Holy Father, then Cardinal Ratzinger, pointed out that the world of reality, the world God has created, is a world of persons. God is a person. We are persons. And so God is always looking for who we are. The world of the machine would reduce us to numbers. And Benedict, then Cardinal Ratzinger, says with clear discernment, this is the world of the beast. He's making these connections. The beast of the book of Revelation. And he he uses that term, the beast of the book of the apocalypse. Mm. Mm. So a culture like that can survive for a time as long as it's materially uh, comfortable, as long as there are plenty of sensory rewards for individuals Mm -hmm. who live this way, as long as the world of the self is fed by pleasure. It can survive for a time, but its ultimate end is death. I think a sphere of silence is particularly important uh, symptom of the disease of the modern age. Uh, the noise of, of the modern age has never been experienced in the entire history of mankind. We live in a sea of noise. Uh, how can we hear the, the still small voice of right. the Lord within right. our hearts if we are continuously drowning in noise that distracts us, bombards us. It's really a culture of entertainment and distraction. I mean, distraction. And, and, yeah. and it's increasing all the time. It's almost like there's such a huge sort of effort being made to get us to become passive recipients of entertainment and distraction yes. and electronic stimulation, which really deadens the soul. It deadens yeah. it to the possibility of relationship with God mm-hmm. and also with each other. And, and it builds on that atomization and isolation and uh, it, it, it is a little scary, but we, we know that with Christ we have nothing to be afraid of, but there's this huge machine. Yeah. You know, this is this is huge electronic fueled by huge money designed for profit that's trying to really take the life out of our souls and, and, and almost turn us into zombies. Yes, zombies, but first it reduces us to the level of objects, either consumers without conscience or objects to be consumed. If you look at say, the, um, the phenomenal growth of pornography on the internet, I mean, just instant access to anything at the click of a, a computer key. Um, this is the realm of knowledge of good and evil. It's power over. Mm-hmm. This is the, 
the ancient seduction by which our first parents felt, to have mm -hmm. knowledge of good and evil, and we will decide what is good and what is evil. Yeah. Here we have Tolkien's ring of Sauron. I've, I've, I think uh, the internet is the ring of Sauron. Uh, in some senses, it can yeah. still be used for good, but its potential for the corruption of souls in an unprecedented way is there. You so, know what? Uh, I feel like we're just getting started and Michael has so much more to share. Michael, would you be willing to come back and, and we can continue the conversation? I'd be honored and delighted. Well, thank you. We'd really be happy. Hello, friends. This is Peter Herbeck. I want to invite you to consider becoming a partner. Our partners program helps strengthen our ministry, expand our ministry, we love to draw brothers and sisters closer to the work that we're doing. And one of the most important things we're doing is international missions throughout the world. We're kind of averaging on an annual basis between 30 and 40 international missions where we work with bishops, priests, lay people, religious sisters on the ground in countries all around the world, Asia, Africa, the Middle East, you know, uh, uh, former Soviet Union, places like that, where we go and we partner with ourselves. We walk alongside and join in a communion and mission with leaders in those countries to help them fulfill the Lord's call, the Great Commission, and to support them and, you know, combine our gifts together to bring about a work of the Lord in the moment. And so we've done over a thousand of these over the years, and the Lord continues to open doors everywhere. And if you can, if you want to join us, if you want to be a part of it, I encourage you to join our partners program and pray for us. And also, you can follow what we're doing in that work by looking on our website. If you're wondering about it, we have all kinds of stories and, and videos and things from experiences we've had on the mission field. But also become a partner so that you can support us, enabling us to be able to say yes to all the invitations that the Lord is giving us around the world. God bless you. This podcast is brought to you by Renewal Ministries, part of the Renewal Podcast Network. If you are enjoying this podcast, we invite you to help us spread the word by leaving us a rating or review, following or subscribing to this podcast, or sharing on social media. Until next time, this is Right Now with Ralph Martin. Ralph Martin.